Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. In the United States, nearly 6,800 babies are born with oral facial clefts annually. My guest today is Dr. Allison Snyder-Warwick. She's a Washington University pediatric plastic and reconstructive surgeon at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Snyder-Warwick. What is cleft lip and palate? Thank you, Melanie. It's nice to be here. Uh, Cleft lip and palate is a very common birth anomaly, as you mentioned. It's actually one of the most um, common birth anomalies in the U.S. and in the world. And what it is is all the normal structures are present, but they haven't finished forming correctly. So there is often a gap, and it can extend from the lip all the way up into the nose or partly up in the nose for a cleft lip. And the palate is the roof of the mouth, and there can be a gap in the palate that, again, is the entire length of the palate or just a portion of it. Is this something that's detectable in utero through ultrasound? Would we know ahead of time? Um, More and more uh, families are finding this diagnosis ahead of time uh, because of advances in ultrasound technology. Um, But it is, for obvious reasons, easier to see a cleft lip and a little bit more difficult to see into the mouth on ultrasound. Um, So we frequently do find out about a cleft lip, um, but the cleft palate is is more difficult to find, so that may be something that is diagnosed after birth more commonly. Are there certain risk factors which would predispose an infant to this? There can be a genetic predisposition for cleft lip or cleft palate, um, and sometimes it does run in families, but most commonly it's sporadic, meaning that there's no family history of having a cleft lip or palate. We think that clefts can form for a variety of reasons, And most commonly, we don't exactly know the reason. Um, But it could be uh, different medication or drug exposures um, and maybe a nutritional uh, reason or or maybe genetic. Um, We think that the causes are multifactorial, but we do know that they happen commonly. Development is a very busy time, and uh, the facial features form during the 6th through 10th weeks of gestation, so very early on during pregnancy. And if a step gets delayed along the way or gets skipped, development keeps proceeding. You don't get to go back and make up that step later. So that's why it's a very common anomaly. So once the infant is born, what are some of the complications associated with cleft lip and cleft palate in terms of feeding and even social and emotional for the parents? Yes, it can be a very uh, difficult time. I think that the time right after birth is, is difficult for a lot of families for a variety of reasons. It's a big transition. Um, We do like to see children who have cleft lip and or palate as soon as possible after birth. Our primary concerns are, first of all, airway. Is the child able to breathe well on their own? Um, And that's because with certain circumstances, the lower jaw or the mandible can be undergrown and very small. And the base of the tongue attaches to the floor of the mouth. And as the mandible grows, normally it pulls the base of the tongue and the entire tongue forward with growth. If that hasn't occurred, the tongue is relatively in the way of the airway and can cause some difficulties, especially when the child is lying on their back. And that's something that we know immediately at the time of birth if the child is struggling with that. And we see that um, problem frequently in association with the cleft palate. And the thought is that the tongue was actually relatively in the way of the palate development during gestation as well. Um, And then our next concern after uh, breathing is is nutrition. 
And so we follow weight gain very closely for kids who have cleft lip or cleft palate. Um, the, the cleft in the lip as well as in the palate can cause difficulty with um, sucking, particularly with the palate because you can't generate negative suction with a gap in the roof of the mouth. And so we do use a special feeding system uh, for children that doesn't require them to generate as much suction to get milk or formula um, from a bottle. And if there is a cleft palate, if it involves the majority of the palate, it is uh, essentially impossible for that child to uh, nurse or breastfeed. Um, And again, it's for the same reason, that you can't generate the suction um, to get the milk. And so the, the children frequently fatigue and are unable to complete a feeding. They'll fall asleep and they don't get adequate nutrition. So instead, mothers who would like to breastfeed can, can pump and then use this special uh, bottle system um, to, to feed their children. And we do follow the weight gain closely as a measure of getting adequate nutrition. And when is a specialist called in? When do they refer? Uh, as soon as possible would be ideal. Um, we see a lot of... Uh, expecting moms who maybe have found out on an ultrasound that their child uh, has a cleft lip or potentially a, a cleft lip and palate. Um, but as soon after birth as possible is better, again, so we can be sure that feeding is going well and we can follow the child closely. And then, you know, I think a lot of families have a lot of anxiety related to this um, uh, diagnosis and concerns about what lies ahead. And so we like to go over kind of the overall plan of care for the child. Uh, We follow children throughout all of childhood in our multidisciplinary team, and it's our cleft and craniofacial team clinic. And that means that there are a variety of specialists who will be following the child closely. And at different times in their life, different members of our team may become more prominent in their care. Um, And so this team includes uh, plastic surgery, uh, otolaryngology, speech, dentistry, orthodontics, sometimes genetics, uh, audiology. There's really a a variety of providers, um, psychology as well, developmental psychology, uh, a variety of providers who contribute to the care of the child. So that's a great team approach for managing and correcting cleft abnormalities. Now tell us a little bit about how it's treated. Uh, So there um, is some surgical treatment involved uh, for children with cleft lip and palate. Um, the most uh, frequent anomaly that we see is a combination of both the cleft lip and cleft palate. And for children who have a cleft that involves the lip, the gum line, and then the roof of the mouth, we anticipate about three procedures, uh, three surgical procedures at a minimum. The first one would be the cleft lip repair, which is usually around uh, three to six months of age. Um, Sometimes we do some molding therapy, which is called nasal alveolar molding, prior to the lip repair. And what that is is similar to an orthodontic retainer um, that later has some prongs that extend to the nose. And that helps move the arch of the gum line into better position um, prior to surgery to make it more of an arch again. Helps decrease the gap um, or the size of the cleft. And then if If it's a bilateral cleft, which means it involves both sides of the lip, it helps to get that in better alignment because usually the center piece, which we call the the premaxilla, is a little bit more forward than the two sides of the lip. So we like to get that into better positioning ahead of time. It also helps to to shape the nose before surgery. So if that occurs, that requires a little bit more time, which makes the lip repair just slightly later. 
Um, so then after the lip repair, the next surgical procedure would be the palate repair, and that's usually around a year of age. And the reason we do it at that time is that is the time that speech will be beginning to develop, and the palate repair is very essential for speech um, because it helps to get the muscles of the roof of the mouth in better alignment to help with certain sounds. Um, and then later, uh, the gum line is repaired, and that's usually repaired around the time of mixed dentition, which means there's a combination of primary teeth or baby teeth and then the permanent teeth, which are the adult teeth. And that's usually between 8 to 11 years of age. Um, there may be other surgical procedures involved. Um, there may be speech therapy involved. Um, children frequently require orthodontics, um, which, of course, would be a, a little bit later, you know, usually an orthodontic evaluation at the age of 8. Um, and there may be some other uh, procedures down the road when the child's fully grown as well that uh, may impact the relationship of the jaws or the position of the nose or assist with breathing through the nose. So it really is a custom pathway depending on the child's needs. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Snyder Warwick, and give other pediatricians your best advice about cleft lip and palate, and tell us about your team. Why is St. Louis Children's Hospital so great to work with? Well, we really encourage you to reach out to us as soon as possible when you have a a child that has a cleft lip or cleft palate, or that you're concerned may even have a submucous cleft palate, which is a cleft that you don't see overtly from the outside, but is um, in relationship to the, the bone and the muscles, you know, under the oral lining. Um, children with cleft lip and cleft palate do require specialized care. We want to be involved early on to help the child with, with feeding and, you know, with the airway if necessary. And we're really here to help support you along the way. We follow the child with, with you um, throughout their uh, childhood and into early adulthood. And uh, we are a resource uh, to assist with all the needs that they may have. We have a very um, approachable group of specialists who are excited to collaborate with you and work together to help the child obtain all of the services and uh, medical needs and and even other supportive needs that they may have. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's really great information. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.